Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers' afternoon drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome in to another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. Alan, the season is still going on. The Pittsburgh Steelers are still alive. They take care of business themselves by beating the Baltimore Ravens in their regular season finale and got the help that they needed with the Tennessee Titans knocking off the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the Pittsburgh Steelers season still very much alive as we sit here right now. Alan, how are we doing? I'm doing good. I'm I'm tired uh, and I'm uh, frazzled by the volume of news of the last 48 hours but <laughs> yeah. uh i'm i'm glad to be carrying on and that we still get to talk about this team in this season and excited to go cover a playoff game in buffalo one of my favorite uh cities to visit and so i'm proud of about that there we go well i i wanted to preface and i'm glad that you mentioned that there if you are coming here on this monday expecting to hear talk uh, kind of looking ahead to this matchup versus Buffalo. That's going to be throughout the rest of the week. But with you mentioning, like you just said, with how much there is to digest here and to talk about, we're going to take a step back, talk about this game versus Baltimore, how the Steelers got here to this point to play a game in Buffalo this upcoming weekend. And then talk about maybe the quarterbacks a little bit since we didn't do much of that last week. We got to bring it full circle. There's a lot of conversation about it. Mason Rudolph going 3-0 down the stretch. Can you really feasibly turn the keys back to a healthy Kenny Pickett? Um, but we will talk about that first. I want to take a step back. Like I said, this game against Baltimore, how did the Steelers take care of their own business to ensure that they'd have a shot going into Sunday with a win on Saturday? What stood out to you from this game? How did the Steelers get it done? 
wasn't a very good game. I mean, and I don't think really anybody expected it, you know, the conditions being what they were, sure. you know, saw that you know, they kind of scored early and you thought, oh, maybe it won't be that big of a deal. And then you saw, you know, the second quarter and the third quarter kind of look like the slog that we thought it was going to be. You know, I didn't think the Steelers did a very good job of protecting Mason Rudolph in that game. I thought Dan Moore was rough once again in pass protection, the sequence at the end of the first half. I thought Rudolph looked like a backup, really, for the first time since we've seen him. He didn't look comfortable or confident running the two-minute drill. Their timing was wonky, turned the ball over, uh, fumbled twice the second time, turning the ball over. And, yeah, I mean, you got to give some of the blame for that to the protection. But also, you know, that was one of the things that we kind of – um, back in 20, feeling the protection. That was a, a talking point back then. And it, it had been very different in his first two games. And that was the first time I really thought he looked uncomfortable in the pocket. Uh, but to his credit, man, he stood in there. He kept he kept shooting his shot and eventually found one to Deontay Johnson. Um, another throw over the middle that resulted in big yak. And I think that while you can say that you know, Mason Rudolph's not doing all the work for Deontay Johnson to go 71 yards there. I think it's become notable that he just seems much more willing to and to use the middle of the field than Kenny Pickett had and to do it without turning the ball over than Mitch Trubisky had. And I really, really think that is the sort of secret sauce that has led Mason Rudolph to being the clearly most productive of the Steelers' three quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've kind of talked about obviously not a full strength Ravens team here, not a full strength Steelers team either, but you know, one of those by choice. Um, but on that touchdown to Deontay Johnson, that that's Rocky Sin, who's been around for a long time as the corner, and then Marcus Williams, who's a veteran in this league, a pretty good safety as well, who Mason kind of manipulates manipulates with his eyes and gets him leaning one way, fires that dart in there to Deontay and lets him do the rest. Uh, so yeah, on a day where there weren't many impressive throws from Mason or impressive plays made in the passing game that was certainly one of them if not obviously the entirety of the play itself you mentioned the yak and everything like that but the eyes kind of moving Marcus Williams and then the velocity on the throw as well and especially like so early in the game Rudolph threw an interception right to Marcus Williams and he dropped it yeah and you know I kind of feel like Marcus Williams was like I got to get that one back you know like and I don't know if that played into what Rudolph was trying to do there at all, but man, it just felt like a really good job of uh, knowing the defender, his tendencies, manipulating mm-hmm. them, and then, you know, squeezing in a pass with, I don't know how to, to say it, like maybe like, um, you know, he, he's taking a risk. Like that's a risky pass. If you throw that pass 10 times, one of them, it gets intercepted. Um, it's, but it's, it's a calculated risk. And I think he's done a really good job of that as uh, in, in the situation he's been in where they haven't, they've been running the ball. Well, they haven't been in a position where they've needed to take a lot of chances. So he hasn't taken a lot of them, but he's made the ones he's taken count. And I think that's really why uh, he's had so much more success than either of the other two Steelers quarterbacks did. 
And I want to talk about the run game here too, specifically Najee Harris, because I feel like this is another year in a row now where week 18 Najee Harris is better than week one Najee Harris. Like he's just a pl player that not only in games gets better as they go on, but in seasons gets better as it goes on. Team high, or actually season high for him, 31 touches in this game, 26 carries, five receptions as well, which is uh, the highest total for him receiving wise as well. 112 yards on the ground, a touchdown out of 21 in the receiving game. But what did you see from Najee Harris? You know, a day where you mentioned maybe the pass blocking wasn't there, but I'm not saying you were saying that was across the board with the run blocking as well. But what did you make of Najee Harris's game and their ability to run the football against this Baltimore front? We established last year that you are not a child of history uh, with your lack yes. of 70s knowledge. I don't know where, mm -hmm. where your knowledge base of his uh, Seinfeld episodes uh, lies, but I think it's possible that Najee Harris is a mother. Uh, and that maybe, I don't know this, but it's uh, possible that his mother was a mother. A mother. I don't know. This is a uh, Kramer horse racing reference. But uh, I, I just think he plays in those conditions very well. I think, and when you look mm -hmm. at like him being better as the season goes on, I think there's a lot to that. Like He's a big dude. He takes punishment well. He's healthier right now than a lot of people are. He's fresher right now than a lot of people are. And I think he thrives in bad conditions. Like, I think he he likes games like that. And I know that he likes games where he gets the ball as much as he did. You know, and, and that's not to say that it needs to be every game, but we talked on here that I did not think the Steelers have done a very good job of manipulating their running back tandem to their maximum benefit this year. And man, do I feel like they nailed it in this one. Jalen Warren fumbled twice. Najee Harris was having his best game of the year. Like, the conditions were bothering one guy. They weren't bothering the other. The Steelers recognized it. They got away from Warren. They piled on the carries with Najee, and it really, really worked. And I thought, man, that was such a good job by Eddie Fogner, the offensive coaching staff. The line blocked well. But, um, yeah, Najee, I think he likes the mud. I think he likes the slop. I think he likes the rain and the wind and the snow and the sleet. And – He's a better running back at the end of the year. There's no question about that. You mentioned about his ability to take on contact. I, I, I agree. I also think he starts dishing out that contact in return as well as the season goes on. And that's why he's be better for it. Yeah, I mean, you saw the little play where uh, Darnell Washington's, like, picking him up and trying to throw him mm -hmm. forward at the end of the run. Like, <laughs> now he's got a giant smile on his face. Like, he's a psycho. Like, he loves that. And I, I think that's uh, it's pretty evident. Um, was there anything on the offense else on the offensive side of the football that we haven't discussed yet um, before we turn our attention to the defense? No, I mean I think that pretty well tells the story of how things went. Um, you know, tough sledding, but uh, I, I think that's that's pretty much what we expected, what we got, and I think they they did just enough to make that game plan work. Uh, the question for the defense was going to be, it was always going to be against the Ravens. How do you stop the run? Uh, Gus Edwards in this one, 10 carries for 48 yards. Huntley had eight for 40. Melvin Gordon, seven for 18. Uh, also, both Edwards and Gordon coughing up fumbles in this one, too, with uh, the conditions you mentioned. Jalen Warren put the ball on the ground a couple times. So did the Ravens. Um, was that the story for you defensively? Was their ability to stop the Ravens on the ground? You know, they were able to run the ball offensively and stop the Ravens defensively. It was weird because the Ravens, like, came out throwing, and I didn't really understand yeah. that um, mm -hmm. based on their personnel. I mean, 
Rashad Bateman was dressed, but he was like running laps out there. Like he, it wasn't even like a serious target. So that meant that Tyler Hunt was throwing to, you know, Wallace and like it's just not you no know, Aguilar. They, they had no as I likely we mentioned being the the yeah. big target it turns out to be the guy that scores the touchdown. But um, I really didn't think that he had much to throw to, and so I was really confused by the Ravens' game plan. Then when they went to the run, they got behind, makes it tougher to run. The Steelers did a pretty good job. And then they started to put the ball on the ground, and I didn't really think the Ravens did anything right enough on offense to sustain drives. You know, it was a field position game, and the Steelers kept them at bay for a lot of it, and then they got some splash, you know. Um it wasn't consistent, but Mark Robinson comes through with a sack, forces a fumble. Uh, Eric Rowe forces a fumble. They, they, they harried Huntley. I just thought they just did enough on defense to keep Baltimore from ever getting into a rhythm. Just didn't feel like they ever were able to, to, to have any kind of connection on offense. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned Eric Rowe, and I'm glad you did. He got hurt in this one, came back in, because I was really wondering, like, man, what are they about to do with safety for the rest of this game without him? Came back in and forced that fumble. And, like, those are the types of performances to me that, like, I just can't speak highly enough about when you see a guy do something like that, like a guy that we just had no expectation for. Like, if we're seeing this guy play at this point in the season, something seriously went wrong and then makes a play like that in that game, uh, which was awesome. What did you think of our boy E-Rob as well. What did he play, like 20-some snaps or something like that? And this one, 22 snaps, 38.6% of them. Yeah, Roberts was clearly in pain, man, dude. He makes the tackle, mm-hmm. and you kind of get up, and you see his, his hold and his wince, and he's, you know, he's yeah. wearing this gigantic brace uh, on his shoulder that doesn't even look safe, uh, and he's out there. Then he gives Nick Farabaugh the best quote after the game. He's like, I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler. I wasn't going to miss it. I don't know how it took Eric uh, Roberts eight years of his hmm. NFL career to be a Steeler, but he totally is. He always has been. That dude's awesome. I don't know how if you're a fan, you don't absolutely love him. Um, Eric Rowe had a great game. How about Michael Walker, man? I thought that was his best game by far. He had a big pass breakup early. He was right there on the row, forced fumble. He very well might have forced it if Rowe didn't get it a half a second sooner. Uh, I thought he played his best ball. Miles Jack was great. It was a really good defensive performance by those guys that were just filling in and stepping up. Um, I did think that Patrick Peterson maybe um, mm. showed why he hasn't been a safety yet to this point in his career. Didn't really look that comfortable coming up to make tackles. Uh, that's going to be a problem if the Steelers want to make that move permanent going forward. I do think it's something they can address, but, you know, tough run fill. Uh, on, on the big Gus Edwards third down run that set up the likely touchdown that likely kind of leaves them on the tracks there going into the end zone. Uh, I think there's there's some work to do if that's if that's a long-term game plan. But, you know, look, the effort and the, and the acumen has been noticeable there as well. And I think you take the good with the bad when you're at the position the Steelers are in at safety, or at least we're in. It seems like it's going to be a much better position this week Minka Fitzpatrick says he's playing. Tamonte KZ is back. Talked to him today. And uh, the Steelers might have their normal safety rotation or something close to approaching it. 
Mm. Yeah, you know what, that really, because like, again, we mentioned at the beginning, we're going to get into stuff for like the week ahead and the Bills stuff uh, throughout the rest of the week. So that really hadn't occurred to me, but like real quick before we move on, I feel like I have to ask now, does that does that mean we see like Patrick Peterson go back to being the primary like slot defender in this case with Minka and KZ going back to safety or what do they want to do with that? I don't know. It's a good question. I guess it depends on how in shape Demonte KZ has been. He was not allowed to be in the facility at all for the last three weeks been at home uh and so mm. um you know we'll see I, I i don't really know what they're gonna do i think they have options yeah, we'll see how they play out I, you know, I think eric Grove continuing to play as an option as well i think he's played yeah. good enough to merit yeah. that but I, I really don't know what is in the cards um interesting to talk to kz today i thought he had a really mature response to the suspension and said you know, he disagreed with it, but he understood it. And I think that's that's like a really thoughtful way to say it. You know, we're like, I don't think I should have been suspended for that, but I understand why they did. And, you know, he said, like, look, they're trying to protect me, too. It's not like this is something where they're punishing the defender and rewarding the offense. Like, they, they don't want either of us to take that hit. And so I thought it was really uh, insightful stuff from Casey. I put it on the site already. And also his video is one video up here on the YouTube channel. Uh, check it out. Good stuff from him. I thought it was really measured and, and responsible and uh, good to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything else on, on your mind defensively from this one? Again, you know, not a, not a very good football game. So I, I don't know that there was a ton that necessarily stood out to me other than just the result of it. I guess we got to mention that TJ Watt is hurt, right? I mean, sure. it's kind of the, uh, the elephant in the room, not going to be back this week. Seems like there's a chance he could maybe, like, theoretically play in an AFC championship game. Right. That is uh, really putting the cart before the horse here. The Steelers are 10-point <laughs> underdogs to the Bills this week and would be mm-hmm. similarly uh, behind the eight ball going back to Baltimore next week. So a long way to go there. But Marcus Golden had a sack in this game. I don't know mm-hmm. that the Steelers can replace T.J. Watt, but – I think they should feel a lot better about the guys that have that position right now than they did when they had to play without TJ a year ago. And sure. I'm not sure that the difference, you know, between TJ and Marcus Golden and then the potential of getting back all their safeties, uh, I think it could maybe kind of work out okay. Yeah, and, and a guy like Nick Herbig, obviously, to maybe get some more snaps behind him as well. They're, they're certainly in a better position. Like, you know, you look at last year, right, when he got hurt, you had Malik Reed, you had Jameer Jones. Like, give me what they have this year, certainly, uh, behind TJ and Alex, as opposed to what they've had a lot of years past. So, um, yeah, definitely, there's no other TJ Watt for them to be able to plug and play here, but they're definitely in a better position to fill that need. And that, that's an interesting thought, too, is, like, the net difference there when you're adding back the safeties, um too so uh, yeah that's certainly an interesting thought um but okay uh something that got sent to us actually shortly before we started recording uh it was a thought by trey essex former steelers offensive guard and this is i feel like going to be a topic uh regardless but so shout out to trey for this can't believe i'm still seeing questions on who will be the starting quarterback this weekend saturday was a playoff game for us kenny was healthy mason started and won there are folks that really think kenny should start on the road in buffalo after not playing for six weeks basically one and a half months uh come on folks 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with Trey here. And I was one of those people that thought that they should have gone back to Kenny Pickett. Like, I did, I think they made a mistake in, in playing Mason Rudolph because of the impact on the team's future. I don't think this club is going anywhere. You know, like I said, like it's, it's unrealistic to even talk about them being in the AFC Championship game. Um, so why not go back to your first-round pick who, you know, it's reported over the weekend, like there's people inside the organization telling people like Ian Rappaport, and I've heard the same thing, that like we still have faith in Kenny Pinkett. We still think he's our starter going forward. I think, I think that's a bonkers stance to have as an organization, that like that's your starter going forward, but he's healthy, and you're not going to play him because Mason Rudolph is playing a little bit better right now. But I, yeah. once you've made it, you can't go back. Like there's no mm-hmm. going back from that decision. Once you made the decision to play Mason Rudolph over a healthy Kenny Pickett, as long as Rudolph keeps playing well, he's gonna keep playing. Like there's no, there's no way there's any other choice at this point. Is this a situation as well? And I'm not saying that Mason is not playing well enough for them to win. But, I, you know, a conversation that we had before was where it's all about the result. Like, they're a result. For better or worse, it's not so much about the process. It's about the result. So even if Mason were to not be playing that well, but the Steelers were still winning, is it even a, a, a ch- move chance that they make them move in that situation? I don't know. I guess it would depend on the circumstance. Like, I think if, you know, if it's 7-7 seven, seven at halftime, but instead of, you know, the Steelers having – you know, a nice, nice looking touchdown drive. It's like a defensive score and four Mason Rudolph turnovers. I think you probably see Kenny in the second half last week. Like, I, I think that was possible. Um, but I, I just don't think that it's, it's a very, it's a very, very narrow needle to thread to talk about Mason playing bad enough for this to, to this, for the Steelers to set him down and the Steelers still having more football to play after that. Like, I, I just – I don't even see that as being particularly realistic. Mason Rose is going to play until the Steelers lose. I, I just – unless he gets hurt or he just has a unbelievably bad half of football, which, I mean, probably would mean that the Steelers are going to lose anyway, but maybe Kenny gets in to see if he can be a spark or something like that. But outside of something egregious, I really don't think we're going to see Kenny Pickett again this season. And that and that's you taking the approach from like the Steelers mindset, right? Or is that also right. how you feel? I don't think you can let your players flap in the breeze like that. I think if you're gonna commit to a guy playing over someone and he continues to play well, then you have to keep playing him. I think you could justify the decision. Hey Mason, great job as the backup. Kenny's our starter, he's healthy, he's going in. I think you can go in the locker room. You can say that. Guys in the locker room don't like it when people lose their job because of injury. They know they could be injured. They don't want to lose their job when that happens. Like, that's a that's a reasonable stance that you can sell in the locker room. I don't think you could sell in the locker room right now. Oh, we're going to go to Kenny because of the future all of a sudden? When you didn't do that last week? I just – I don't buy it. That, that's you, – you, you, I, I don't see how you can make that make sense to the players. Sure. I mean, because we keep saying the word future, but for them, the future's right now. They're thinking about a playoff oh, game in Buffalo. How many, how many guys are signed to a contract that isn't going to get cut next year? Like 20 yeah. guys, maybe? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Tell the rest of them the future is tomorrow. Like, they don't care, and mm-hmm. nor should they. 
And so I think you could have sold people on Kenny not losing his job because of injury and going back to the guy who earned the job as a starter in the first place. I think people would have bought into that. Once you've made that decision, I don't see how you can unmake it unless Mason plays badly enough to deserve to get benched. Now, you said something in there. You mentioned the Ian Rappaport thing as well. You said that you've heard similar things. but I, And I don't know if this is kind of what you were also saying within all of this, but are you saying that you're not sure if that's the case? Like, how, how can you be committed to this guy but not have him starting over Mason Rudolph? I don't know. It's nonsensical, right? Like, if you're committed to Kenny Pickett, then he would be starting. Uh, it's, to me, it's just spin. It's nonsense. Um, you can't tell me with a straight face that you're committed to Kenny Pickett and he's not playing. You can't be committed to a guy who you're benching. Like, that's just that's, – that's false. You, you can say, like, we still think there's a chance that Kenny Pickett turns out to be a good quarterback. That's fair, okay? But you can't say you're committed to him. And, like, they don't even know who the offensive coordinator is going to be. Who is, yeah. in, in the real world, going to have a very large say in who plays quarterback for his team. So how would you have any idea on what the offensive system is going to be? You know, I don't know. I mean, like, look, I don't think this is going to happen. Maybe they're going to run the option, okay? I'm pretty sure it's not going to be Mason Rudolph if that's the case. I, I don't know. Like, I, there are so many variables. How could anyone say that they are confident in Kenny Pickett being the 2024 starter right now? You just can't say that. Like, you don't believe it, even if you're saying it. And it is being said, but you don't believe it. Maybe some people in the organization believe it individually, but the organization as a whole does not believe it because their actions are telling us that. So like, and, and you mentioned about the offensive coordinator thing, in your opinion, is it the offensive coordinator making that decision or is it like the quarterback, the offensive coordinator has to be okay with the quarterback that's in place and trying to fit an offense around him. The offensive coordinator yeah. ha- is going to have input on who his starting quarterback is. Also the scheme that the offensive quarterback coordinator wants to run is going to matter in terms of which quarterback you pick. Like there are different offenses that require different levels of mobility, different sure. levels of yeah. accuracy, different levels of, you know, um, confidence and, and competency in reading defenses. You know, you can scheme an offense around a lot of different talent levels of quarterback and a lot of different types of quarterback. And what works for uh, Jared Goff probably would not work for Lamar Jackson. You know, like it's, it, there's different guys. And so, to, to not know what the offense is going to be like and say you're committed to a quarterback that you've currently benched is just insanity. There, there's no way that's the case, whether they say it or not, or whether individuals in the in the organization are saying it or not. And, and that's why, I, I mean, 100%, I agree with that. That makes sense to me. That's why I posed the question that I did, because if they're saying they're committed to Kenny without having an offensive coordinator, that almost makes me think that they're trying to fit what the offensive coordinator peg into fitting with this quarterback. Well, maybe they are, but yeah. Then Which why would not be play? The wrong approach. But yeah. then why not play? If you, it's inconsistent. I don't want to say it's wrong, okay, but it's inconsistent. If if you want, if you were going to go so far as to tailor your offensive coordinator hire to Kenny Pickett, which they might do, then why on earth wouldn't you be playing him right now? I, I can't make sense of those two things. Let me ask you this, and this is kind of going along with like the the thing that I said about the results. Say the Steelers pull off an upset victory in Buffalo, but, like, Mason is not good. They score a defensive touchdown. They score a special teams touchdown. Like, something happens here where they still get a result, but Mason doesn't play well in this one. What does that do in your mind? 
does it open the door at all? Or is it because they won, you still stick with Mason? I think it opens the door. I mean, the Steelers are, as we've talked about, very much slaves to results over process. But like, I think there's a chance that, I mean, I think there's a chance he would get benched in game. I mean, I, I think that's very possible. And if that happens, all bets are off. You know, I mean, it just depends on then what Kenny looks like. I think he would probably have to get benched in the game for it to open the door to the next week. But like I said, like, you know, that, that first half goes differently. Even, you know, that turnover by Rudolph at the end of the first half is his third or his fourth instead of his first, and the game is still tied. Heck, yeah, I think Kenny Pickett's going in. Like, and, and let me say this also. Kenny Pickett has not had a very good year and did not take the step forward that myself and many other people were thinking that he yeah. might. Sure. He's better. If, if that's the two-minute drill we have to go on, give me Kenny if I need one. Like, I'm just saying, like, that was, that was a pretty rough two-minute drill, not just in terms of the turnovers, but overall execution did not look very good. So I don't know. It's not crazy to think that they could get into a situation in a game where Mike Tomlin would decide he wants to take a look at Kenny to try to get some kind of spark to get things going. If that happens, it would open the door to Kenny starting going forward. But Rudolph is going to have to play poorly for them to get there. This I had a question that I thought would kind of tie in here from somebody, but it might be null and void because of your response about the offensive coordinator, which again, I agree with. So, um, but I'll still bring it up. Uh, Zach has mentioned many times specifically the name Jacoby Brissett on here in terms of somebody that could make sense adding to the 2024 QB room. But with the way that Mason has played down the stretch, is it possible that he fills that void of the veteran in the room and we're looking at Kenny Mason and then a mid-round draft pick as opposed to somebody outside of the organization plus a mid-round draft pick. That's one of the areas where I really think you know the offensive coordinator matters because he may have one of his guys in mind. He may not. You, know, you don't know. But you know like we saw with Gardner Minshew you know following Shane Steichen like we saw with uh, Jake Browning having success after having been in Cincinnati for so long. Really, like we saw with Mason Rudolph. I mean, Mason Rudolph mm-hmm. was the backup was was the backup when Matt Canada was hired as quarterbacks coach. He basically spent the longest of any human being learning from Matt Canada. He had the most knowledge of this offense of anyone. Not to say that Kenny Pickett didn't have enough knowledge to be good. That's not why you know, Pickett failed and and or, or was not succeeding. And and Rudolph is he's playing well. But he was in a position to succeed because of that knowledge. But that goes out the that goes out the window if you change, you know, is Mason Rudolph better for the Pittsburgh Steelers right now than Jacoby Brissett would be? Yeah, probably. But if they hire Eric the enemy, well, then maybe Jacoby Brissett would be the better option. I really do think it matters yeah. in terms of who the coordinator is. Yeah, I 100% agree. That's why I said, like, I don't even know if this, based off the rest of this conversation, if it would be worth bringing up this question, but I still uh, still wanted to. So, uh, Alan, anything else that you wanted to, to discuss today? Uh, again, we'll get into more of the Steelers-Buffalo matchup stuff throughout the week. Tom will talk tomorrow, talk about maybe get some answers from TA down the road about the safety stuff with Patrick Peterson, with Minka, and KZ back in the fold. But anything today you wanted to address? Yeah, Buffalo. I like it. It's a good town. They have good people. I really, really like Buffalo. But, like, I want to know how far you're will- – like, so, you know, everybody – it's easy to hate a division rival, right? Like, mm-hmm. do Steelers fans can – you, can, you, can you get hate for the Buffalo Bills? And if you can, where does it come from? 
Like Josh Allen is a pretty likable dude. Uh, mm-hmm. Stephon Diggs is a little weirdo, but like, what? Yeah, well, he's like every other wide receiver, right? In fact, down sure. to tweeting the stereotypical wide receiver tweet, right? Um, and so yeah. I don't know. How do you how do you get how do you get in the I hate Buffalo mindset? Or maybe you don't like Buffalo. I'd love to know why. I love it. I like. I think, in terms of people, Buffalo is the city that is most like Pittsburgh. In America, yeah, you know, I, 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 I haven't been to Buffalo before, but I absolutely want to go for that reason because I feel like it is so much. Uh, there's a lot of similarities to draw there, and uh, and and I certainly get that vibe just looking from the outside at Buffalo, and I'm curious if if they feel the same about Pittsburgh because, um, yeah, I certainly have no hate towards Buffalo other than when we play them. Um, and actually, because I will be attending a Super Bowl party that the food is based off who is playing in the game, uh, I don't hate the idea of Buffalo being in the Super Bowl because I did playing. see I did see a Pittsburgh restaurant saying they're refusing to serve buffalo sauce this week. Yeah, which mm-hmm. I I don't know, man. I I I kind of, I got I I would I would have some buffalo sauce. I think you know what? If you know people from Buffalo, the better way to trigger them would be to stop serving blue cheese and to put ranch with everything. That will make the people <laughs> from Buffalo way more angry than not mm-hmm. so- serving buffalo sauce. And the Indians love them some ranch dressing anyway, so it's probably not like a huge uh, a huge business mm-hmm. deal. My last thing about Buffalo, though, just to underscore the point of uh, how similar they yeah. are, I made this joke many years ago, and I am going to retell it because I think it fits right here. So when the Bills score, they have like a song, that is sung to the tune of Shout by the Isley Brothers, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, like, let's go, Buffalo. And it's extraordinarily corny. Like, it is, like, straight out of the, like, late 70s, early 80s. And if you listen to uh, Joe Starkey and, and Ron Cook on the radio in Pittsburgh, you've you've heard the Buffalo talking proud, like, infomercial song. It's, it's the, like, just like Pittsburgh, very much a town stuck in the past. And so, you know, somebody was uh, in Buffalo for the first time learning that the Bills fans sing along to shout when they score. And I was like, yeah, Buffalo is the only town where they saw the Steelers, uh, you know, singing or, or having a video to Renegade and be like, sticks. Why do we think of that? That's such a great idea. Like every other town in, in, in the NFL is like, why do they love this old ass band? But Buffalo's <laughs> like, fuck, that's they're into something there, you know. Like that's, that's yeah, that's the reaction to me to to the the Buffalo Pittsburgh uh, relationship. I mean, and how many Yinzers emulate Bills tailgates, jumping through tables and stuff? Like, I feel like that is something that they just look up to as well. So that's why, yeah. Again, I think that there's a lot of similarities here between Pittsburgh and Buffalo. So yeah, I want to. I want to know if you can get angry at the Bills in Buffalo, mm-hmm. and if so, how. Leave those comments. We'll talk about that throughout the week. But I'm a big, uh, I'm a big fan of both the town and the fans of the team. I love anybody that's passionate. They're over the top, but uh, it's really, really cool. If you've never been to Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park, you don't have any years left. What is this? Is it next year or the following year? They're opening the new one. I'm I don't not know. Sure. It's I forgot about that. Yeah, it is a classic venue. Not because it's anything special, because it is set in a weird neighborhood 
where like you just park in some guy named Jeff's front yard, you pay him $20, he offers you a beer afterwards. Like, and it's just, it's like walking to a high school football game where like everybody knows everybody and it's, it's very passionate and I love every bit of it. It's one of my favorite uh, road venues in the NFL for that reason, mostly just because of the environment and the people. So I can't hate them. But I, I want to know if you guys can, and, and if so, how. And uh, maybe we will – I am going to attempt to get uh, my boy Mookie Hawkins, who covers the Bills uh, for a radio station up in Buffalo, to come on. Mookie and I have chopped it up almost every time the Steelers and Bills have played. He's great. He knows football uh, at all levels. And uh, maybe we'll talk to him about uh, Pittsburgh and Buffalo, too, later this week. That would be really cool. There we go. Well, I'm glad that you get to to drink in that experience in Buffalo at least one more time here uh, for the Steelers covering them this year. Uh, maybe it won't be the last time, but that's certainly where their next destination will be. Alan, tell the folks where they can find you. Alan Saunders underscore PGH on Twitter. PGH Steelers now. SteelersNow.com. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Still running. Promo code Alan10. Get 10% off wow. SN+. Mostly just because I've been really busy and haven't had a chance to stop. So, like, just take advantage, okay? It's still there. Go do it. There we go. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here. Hit us in the comments. Like Alan said, we want to know your thoughts on the Buffalo, Bills Mafia, all that stuff. We'll read some of our favorite ones throughout the week. Leave us a five-star review, Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening to your podcast. Zachary Smith, PGH for Alan Saunders and myself. Thanks for jumping in and taking another ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 